Psalm 91, 1 and 2. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, you are my fortress and my refuge, my God in whom I will trust. Jesus Christ declares in Matthew 6, 6. But when you pray, go into your room. Close the door. Pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. A secret place is where heaven and earth meet. It's a cultivated place of prayer, of stillness, of rest, and communion with God. The psalmist declares that to dwell in the secret place is to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It is to know the Lord and live in communion with Him. It is to experience His loving presence as both a mighty fortress and refuge. It's funny how the Lord works. This message came to me earlier in the week. And my prayer, I have four distinct prayers. I pray for uh, you, prayed over you this, this week, um, rooted in and out of Scripture. And this past week, my prayer has been Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. Not going to read it. You can look it up if you're interested. But Ephesians 3, 16 through 19 has been prayed over you every, every day this week by moi. I lied. Six days out of the week. Didn't happen yesterday. But you can read my intent. I pray for you and over you. And Paul, the apostle, his prayer out of Ephesians 3 is that you would know, not in your mind, but in your heart, the love of God towards you. The secret place is where we experience the love of God that is for us. Psalm 91's got what I call a little bit of shadow imagery. We rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Some of you may know this. I grew up in Cape Town, South Africa. And I grew up in the shadow of something. Let me see if you can get a glimpse of it in these pictures. Can we bring those up? Pretty, isn't it? Can we bring the next one up too? Thank you, guys. Table Mountain. Table Mountain, Devil's Peak. I grew up in the shadow of Table Mountain. The psalmist is bringing imagery to our mind. It's to live and dwell in a place where we live and breathe and have our being under the shadow of Almighty God. The Psalms use imagery most often. What imagery are they displaying? The reason they're giving us imagery is that we can begin to understand God's nature towards us. That we can begin to experience His love and His hope and His peace. If I can be honest, many people 
haven't experienced what it's like to live under the shadow of Almighty. It can be easy to live under the shadow of shame. It can be easy to live under the shadow of condemnation. It can be easy to live... Actually, it's grueling, isn't it? It's not easy <laughs> to live under the shadow of shame of our past, of our greatest and deepest regret. But God invites us through His Scriptures to see His nature, that those who choose, God's not going to do it for you. That's part of the message. you got to do it. you got to cultivate. You must put in the work and the energy and make the sacrifice. But I can attest to it being a worthy pursuit in your life. When I grew up in Cape Town, out of our living room, window, I didn't have that view. That's actually across the sea a little bit. It's a little around, uh, a little bit farther down the line to get those pictures. You have to live in Bloemfontein, a little town near Cape Town. But actually from there, you're still under the shadow of Table Mountain. Many say it's one of the most beautiful visuals, those who are in sailing or in boating, to come up over the water. And the first thing you see is that huge table of a mountain sticking out on your visual. But growing up in Cape Town, we lived on the backside of Table Mountain. And I would wake up and run out of my door if I wasn't too busy messing with my sisters and waking them up. But I would run up the hallway, get into the living room after smelling what was cooking for breakfast. And I could almost without fail look out our window and see off in the distance the hills the ridges, and then at the top, the table that was there. It was ever before me, and living under the shadow of Table Mountain are millions of people loving life, enjoying life, surfing, eating, cricket, rugby, malls, shopping, friendships, every arena of life all happening right there under the shadow of Table Mountain. God invites for you and I to bring all of us to Him and to live under the shadow of Almighty God. But here's what the psalmist says. Those who dwell in the what? You're wrong. Secret place. (laughs) Those who dwell in the secret place. Live under the shadow of Almighty God. God's inviting you, excuse me, to the secret place. Jesus, in his earthly ministry, in the Gospels, there's there's something happening that you, you have to put a little study, a little understanding. It really comes out in the series, The Chosen. You can see it. Uh, very, very vividly. But Jesus is predominantly communicating with his Jewish brothers and sisters. You see that throughout the Gospels. He's predominantly communicating, at, at least in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, with his brothers and sisters in the faith, in the Jewish faith. But one of the backdrops, part of understanding the Gospels, is knowing that his listeners are living under the shadow of Rome that they were occupying Jerusalem. 
They were occupying Galilee. They were occupying. You pass Roman soldiers every which way you turn. And at any given time, they can just hand you their spear, hand you their shield, hand you their cloak. And you didn't get a choice. You had to carry that with them. In fact, that's why Jesus said, hey, don't just go one mile. Offer to go two. They're all like, that's crazy. Rather not. But the imagery there is they lived under the shadow of Rome. But Jesus said, no matter what earthly shadow, there's an overshadowing that is available unto you. And he calls them unto himself. And Jesus, you won't find this in the Old Testament. You'll find hints at it in God's natures throughout the Old Testament. But Jesus does what no rabbi has ever done to this point in time when he shares and invites them in Matthew 6, 6. When you pray, go into your room. Go into your room. And you're not alone. Your Father meets you in that space. Who is this Father? Oh, He has a name. Abba. Father. The prophets, which are very important, did not use Abba. Moses, who, if you study, is very, 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 very important, did not use Abba. Abraham himself did not use Abba. Abba, in its simplest form, can be interpreted in our culture as daddy. The imagery is shocking. The religious leaders, Matthew 6, 5, the religious leaders give us a verse. We can bring that up. Matthew 6, 5 actually shares Jesus' little smack around. You know, Jesus liked to just lovingly smack some people around. Well, in Matthew 6, 5, Jesus is smacking around some people. And here's what he says. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners. Here it is to be seen by others, to be seen, to be noticed. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. I'm not calling you to religious games, Jesus would say. I'm not calling you to a belief system, Jesus would say. I'm not calling you to perfect doctrine, Jesus would say. I'm calling you to the secret place. I'm calling you to relationship with the Father. Early Christians, some of the fathers of our Christian faith in the first few centuries, they would frame it as this phrase. It's a little intimate, so I'm going to share it. They're calling us to what's called a loving union with Christ. It's a little awkward, isn't it? But it's not, hey, are you a Christian with the adjective? Hey, are you in loving union with Christ? Because there had been a separation in the day when Jesus showed up and he had realized the religious leaders, they knew the Old Testament. 
or the Torah, as they would say. They knew the prophets. They knew the Psalms. They knew how to say the prayers. But somehow in the midst of their life, in the centuries that passed, they had lost the heartbeat of the one who had the story written down. They knew the letter of the law, but they had lost the heartbeat behind it. They were no longer dwelling in the secret place and resting under the shadow of Almighty. In fact, they had decided to pursue the exploits of Rome. And Jesus comes in and as he often does, he just kind of launches out a bomb there and just kind of smacks them around a little bit and says, whoa, 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 whoa. Get back to your first love. Get back to relationship with God. Cultivate, cultivate. The secret place. The secret place is available to us all. The secret place is available to you. It began for me. I can't, I can't tell you exactly the day. I can't tell you the time. I can kind of tell you it was around 15 years of age for me. And it probably was less than 10 minutes a day. I don't know how. Well, I do know how. My parents gave me the book I'm about to share. But I don't know why I stuck with it, because I didn't understand it half of the time. It was a devotional book called My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. You need it if you've never heard of it. Just take a year with it and you're welcome. It had Old English in some parts, and real proper, and then it would have a verse that coincided, and i got to be honest, I was still waking up most days, and I would be lying in my bed, open this, this book, and, and I would read the devotional, and then I would reread it, and reread it, because I didn't understand it immediately every time. And then there would be a verse along with it. And then I would close it, and I would just go about my day. I did not know how vital what I was doing would be for my future. I mean, when you're 15, I mean, you don't know much. Men, you don't know much at 15. Ladies, you know far more than men at 15. <laughs> men are trying to figure out what's the Holy Spirit and what's the hormone, right? We're just trying to learn. 15, you don't know a lot. I'm just kidding. We know, we're, we're learning. We're, we're fumbling forward and we're, we're making mistakes and we're, we're, we're growing and we're stretching and we're testing. And you know, y'all know what 15 can hold. And I don't know why, but it just became a part of my daily routine. And then church would, Sunday morning became, there would be youth ministry in the middle of the week. And I just began to cultivate. I had no idea what I was doing. I had just been bombarded with this quiet time. Maybe you've heard it as such. Have a quiet time. And I thought, Whatever that means, I'm in. Okay, quiet, quiet. And I just begin with my most first highest. Put it down, put it down. And it slowly but surely began to grow from there. It's not about time. You don't have to spend three hours in the secret, but some of you are like, I would like to uh, spend three hours in the secret place. <laughs> but it's about energy and effort to answer the longing in our heart that we can meet with God. That may throw you, but I believe you were created 
to meet with God. You were created to hear His voice. You were created to receive His direction in your identity and with your future. Because we live in an information age where everybody can know anything about everything. We get a feeling in our belly. Google.com, baby. And we know all the information about the feeling in our belly. (laughs) You know, we become our own doctors, our own uh, pediatricians, right? Parents, you're just Googling. And if, depending on your personality type, if you're like me, you're just gravitating towards the best. If you're like my wife, you see the bad reviews of the belly feeling. And you start to get a little worried, a little anxious. But what I'm getting at is we are in an information age. And what I've recognized is that sometimes in our following of God and in our ways of living close with Him, it can get, 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 get really tempting to settle for information when you were designed for intimacy with God. Man, you can quote a scripture, you can quote some thoughts, but do you have the heartbeat of God on the inside of your life? something I wrestle with. I don't want to be able to quote scripture. I don't want to be able to go through ministry and mission, live in culture and just know things. But God's grace, may I always remain committed to knowing his heartbeat in and over my life. The temptation could be great for us pastors or ministers because You can gravitate and learn and grow. There's a lot of material out there. But my nudge today is don't settle for information. Know the intimate love of God in and over your life. Especially young adults or people putting on your faith for the first time. That's what God is calling you to. That's what God's whispering over your life. Because listen, secondhand Jesus, you need him, and he works for a while. But you weren't designed for secondhand Jesus. You were designed for firsthand love of God. You can get my advice in your situation. Those who know me know I'm very willing to give my advice. Whether it's right or wrong, I'm going to give it. You're welcome. I will. You do have to ask me first. But most of the time, it'll be biblical. I'll have a great thing. But what I'm most concerned about is what is God speaking to you about that situation? Because it's one thing to identify trust issues in your life. Right? It's another thing to hear God whisper, you can trust me. You can not live anxious. You can live free of fear. And so it's this, it's this secret place that God calls for us. It's a secret place. It's not a length of time or a quantity of time. It's a daily, if you will. Skip a day here and there. No problem. It's a continual, perpetual, loving relationship with Almighty God. 
And some of you, this may connect some dots. Listen, because you raised your hand to get saved. And you want to hear something? That's awesome. Best decision ever. But here's what's crazy. You trying to put on Christ. You're trying to, okay, God, God I'm going to get right in my sexual relationships. Okay, I'm going to get right. Lord, I'm going to lay that down. God, I'm going to take that up. Lord, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that in churches every week. Well, you mean that men's group meets every Monday night? Oh, Lord, I don't know. Because what? Because we got saved. But that's so often where people stop. And that's only the start. God invites you to intimacy with him. As if I hate us to say, make a decision. And that's it. Good luck. No. No. He says, listen, by the shed blood of Jesus, all your sins are wiped away. You don't have to perform. You don't have to make it happen. You just keep showing up. Keep meeting with me in the secret place. Let me whisper to some of the deepest longings of your soul. Let me, let me show you how beautiful life is with me. See, at 15, reading Oswald Chambers, I was still kind of in between. Because for a season there, I just thought the Bible was a bunch of commandments and rules for a depressed life. Bunch of do's and don'ts. And you know, I got to shoot straight. I was kind of like Elsa in Frozen 1. No rules. Blah, blah, blah. I'm just, I'm free. Culture's freedom is enslavement to sin, and sin will lead to your destruction. This is free. I'm going to make my own choice. I'm going to live how I want. I'm going to do it for me. And then, then we come to Christ. Okay, Christ, yeah, I can't do all this. Well, you can't do it because you're not supposed to be doing it. You're supposed to be being in his presence, letting his love wash over your soul. And he lovingly heals the wounds that lead to the cycles of sin we hold. Well, what am I going to do, God, with my lust? What am I going to do with my fear? What am I going to do with my manipulation, my control tactics? What am I going to do with my broken spaces and places? Hey, Paul, before you do anything, Come sit with me. Let my love wash over the broken places of your heart. See, part of what has fueled my generation and the upcoming generation away from God, there's, that would be a series in and of itself. But they got the rules with no relationship. They got the rules with no relationship. If we're not careful, it can happen to each of us. That we lose touch of being the beloved of Almighty God. 
that we lose touch, that despite the deep pain, rejection, fear, betrayal, mistrust, we have no place to turn. That's how the enemy wants us to live. We've got no place to turn. So we turn where we know, and where we know isn't always right. We turn to what we used to be. We turn to who we used to be. And God's saying, look, you have a place to turn. It's called the shadow of the Almighty. It's where I pour out my love. It's where I pour out my identity. It's where I pour. I, I, I've experienced deep rejection in my life. I think I've shared often, maybe not too often, but I'm sure, man, I, I know what it's like to live with low self-esteem. Very, very low. Coming over from South Africa, we, we're grateful. Much rather live here. But, man, I, 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 I felt rejected so often. And sometimes I'd project on people things that weren't even there just because my self-esteem was so low. What changed my life? Uh, I, I love, I think therapy's great. I think you should do therapy. I think... You should track your past and become more self-aware. I think, you know, all these things are great, sure. But if I can say what marked the healing process in my life, the secret place, day in and day out, day in and day out, you can move away from Cape Town. I don't know why you would, unless God called you. But you can move away. You can move to Durban, another beautiful area. You can move to Johannesburg. You can move to Pretoria. You can move Port Elizabeth. Plenty of cities and places. And it may be a good thing. But you can't live in those places and claim you're living under the shadow of Table Mountain. Because people would think you've gone cuckoo. Because those places are tens or hundreds of miles away from Table Mountain. Same is true for our soul. You can build a house anywhere. But I want to invite you and encourage you to build your house. Build your secret place with God. Rest in the peace and under the shadow of Almighty God. We've created and invited to live intimately. I love Genesis 3, <clears throat> 8 through 9. This is the famous theologically, we understand this is the fall chapter. <laughs> it didn't take long, humanity. We get Genesis 1, Genesis 2, pretty much God's doing everything. Genesis 3, we get involved, the fall of humanity. Yes. In Genesis 3, you know how it goes. Participate in the fruit. We want control. We want our way. We think we know better. All the things that it is, which I, have, I am and have been Adam and Eve. I mean, I don't need nobody to pass me no fruit. I'll go get it myself, right? I, I, I know what it's like to be deceived and to live. In that place, and perhaps the most sad part of it is Genesis 3, 8 and 9. And they heard 
The sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, in the cool of the day. Pause. They heard the sound of God walking with them in the cool of the day. They heard. They couldn't see God in that moment, but they heard him. He was beginning to come within proximity. And I would propose to you that this had been happening every day for multiple, multiple, who knows how many years long. And it was a sweet, joyful, abundant, restful, happy, loving union that they had. But after the fruit... Adam and Eve and his wife hid. They hid themselves. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? It's the heart of God towards each and every one of us. At 15, I had a good deal of sin before my life. Amen. All right. I had a good deal of mistakes, failures, things I'm not proud of, ways I've treated people, cycles I lived in that I'm not proud of. And in each instance, the temptation lay before me to hide from God. And I did. There were seasons I hid. Still went to church, right? Because when you could play the game, you get good at the game. Too far? Probably. You're welcome. I was hiding. Hiding. I want you to see, much of culture assumes of a performance relationship. What's God doing in this story? He's not hiding. He's drawing near. But when deception rules your mind, you misinterpret how things are playing out. The heart of God towards you is always drawing nearer and nearer and nearer to you. He's not put off by your sin. He's not put off by your past. He's not put off by the cycles and the wrongdoing. His heart is ever towards you. We have to make the choice to dwell and move towards God. Giving our lives to Christ is a very, very pivotal piece. We love that moment. But it's not just the prodigal running home, receiving the cloak, receiving the ring, receiving the shoes, enjoying a meal and saying, Dad, this was great. See you in a few years. And taking back off out of the house. <laughs> back to the pig pen. Back. No, no, no. What's the, what's the son going to do? He's going to stay. He's going to stay at the house. Stay with the meal. Enjoy all that the Father lovingly gives. That's our invitation as well. Don't lose sight of the intimacy God has called for you and for me to have. 
My prayer as a pastor, I, some pastors, they, they got a lot of evangelism in them. Well, we all should, but you know what I mean. They got a little evangelist touch. Some have a teacher touch. Some have an apostle, you know, some of these fivefold ministry. My heart burns, burns, burns for people to know and walk in loving union with Christ. It changed my life. It changed. I have always had a place to run with my pain. Always. Always had a place. When, when, when bad thoughts and bad cycles would begin to creep in, I always had a place to run. I've never been abandoned. Always, always had a place to run. This word of God has been proved over and over and over in my life. I'm not saying it was easy, and I don't say that with a lick of arrogance. I just say that as a word of truth over your life because I know how the enemy whispers. That you're destined to live distant, far away from the touch of God. No, I want to tell you, you were created on purpose, for a purpose. You're the beloved of God. There's never been a day he's, he's, he's looked away from you and ran from you, but he meets you in the midst of every storm, of every trial, of every portion of suffering. He is a refuge that holds us in the midst of great difficulty. How I know this is, listen, I confess the Apostles' Creed. I confess the power of Scripture and its, rel- it, it, it's, its reality in and through my life. I confess it. Ask me to explain it. Um, that's where it gets a little tricky. Because it's called the secret place. And, you know... College professors, sometimes with a barrage. It's not college. That, 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 that paints them in the wrong light. I love college professors. Hear me. But sometimes the next generation goes into college and they lose their faith. Why do they, they lose their faith? They won't lose their faith if they know the secret place. They may struggle. They may lose their faith. I doubt it for a good season in my life. It was so routine, I kept showing up. Hey, uh, like John Foreman's good song, Jesus, I I have my doubts. I have my doubts. Just keep on keeping on. Keep on. Get in that secret place. Come to that secret place. I'm closing now. You're welcome. With a quick story. With a quick story. I had five practical points, but I think you'll be okay. We'll post those later. For the fourth time in one sermon, you're welcome. All right. (laughs) All the freezing and hungry people said amen. (laughs) At the beginning of the 14th century... Europe was experiencing a boom of technological advancement and economic prosperity. The Renaissance had begun in Italy. It appeared a good time to live in Europe. But as your and my life know, things can change dramatically. Within a short span of time, just a few years, there came a series of disasters 
seemingly coming out of the book of Revelation. People thought they were living in the end times. little word on the end times. We're not the first generation to think we're living in the end times. This has happened for 2,000 years. Enough said. Okay. People thought they were living in the end times with good reason. Economic collapse. Climate change. Europe experienced a mini ice age which led to widespread famine. The Hundred Years War. Worst of all, the Black Plague or the Black Death. Pandemic. Pandemic that spread and wreaked havoc. Millions died. Many thought it was the end of the world. Had I been there, I think I would have thought it was the end of the world. In Norwich, England, there lived a woman called Lady Julian. As many in Europe would experience the Black Death, she also contracted it. For weeks, she hovered between life and death. During that time, Jesus came to her in a series of visions. She eventually recovered. Thirty years later, she wrote a book entitled The Revelations of Divine Love. Little factoid, it's the first book printed by a lady in English. The 13th revelation in that book, she asks Jesus about human suffering. Question we all have asked and will ask. In the vision, Jesus says, we can bring the quote up, it is true that sin is the cause of all this pain. But all shall be well. And all shall be well. And all manner of things shall be well. It is a meeting with Jesus himself who appeared in a vision. I like to call this experience the secret place. It sounds otherworldly. It is. Jesus showed up to a lady, a follower of his, in a time of great difficulty, of great trial, of great grief, of great disappointment. A time when the book of Revelation seemed to be playing out before their very eyes. And in Norwich, between life and death, the difficulty of that space, Jesus visited Lady Julian and spoke a word to her heart that sustained her. It's helpful for me to hear the words Jesus told her. There are moments and seasons and experiences in my life where I read that quote over and over and over again. It brings a peace that settles my control tendencies. <laughs> the side of me that needs to know the answer to every question. It brings a peace over my soul. All 
shall be well. For the Christian, we know this to be true, that God is redeeming all things unto himself. And that Jesus is writing a beautiful story in the midst of our pain and our suffering and our difficulty. And the secret place, that room, if it is one, that couch, that parking space, you get there 10 minutes before work. Whatever it looks like for you, that may be the most important place for you in all of the earth.